Hello, listeners, and welcome to Freelance Friday with Vay Casey. It's a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experiences of freelancers. And it's been a couple of months since I put a new episode out. Originally, at the beginning of this year, I had enough episodes slated to get me through at least half of the year, and I was going to keep recording new ones. And kind of my mode of operation was I'd record episodes about six months in advance, have a bunch of them ready to go so I could batch edit and pop them out. That way I could have new episodes out every week. But then come early, mid, late March, COVID stuff starts happening. And I started realizing very quickly that my podcast was feeling out of touch because I was not really talking at all about anything to do with current circumstances and and situations with the pandemic and everything. And so between that and then just getting busy with my personal life, editing the episodes that I had already recorded kind of took a back seat for a couple of months, but I'm at a point now where I'm gearing up to start recording episodes again. And I still have a few interviews that I recorded early this year that I'm going to be releasing over the next few weeks. But in tandem with those, I wanted to at least touch on some things that are more current, that are more specific to COVID situation and business and how it relates to freelancers, what their experiences have been like and how they've been handling the situations they've been coming up against in this time. So this week, uh, I have had back Parrish Ruiz de Velasco, who I had on, uh, I guess originally we spoke last October, was when we did his interview that came out a couple of months back. And uh, he, I feel like, is one of the people that I've had best conversations with. It's just most natural on the show. And so I reached out to him a couple of days ago to see if he would come into the studio to talk about just kind of what's been happening the last few months uh, with COVID and freelancing and whatnot. And then after that, we're going to have the interview that was originally going to be released a couple of months back with Max Coots, who is a great photographer and someone that I met through Weld, like many of the people that I've had on the show over the last few years. Years. And uh, I'm really excited for you to hear his story. Thanks so much for uh, being back with me after a brief break of a couple of months. Let's catch up with Parrish. So it's a little weird with the um, all the photo shoots are here. I don't have any business in Denver at all. So we just took a huge risk like we want to go be there with the weather and just the scenery and it's just inspiring. Like when we did the RV stuff, we just kept driving back to Denver and Colorado and Breckenridge and, you know, just every day that we were there because there's no humidity. It's so dry. We were just outside every day enjoying yeah. it. Yeah. And it was just like, we want to live here. And with COVID, we just didn't have a ton of work going on and had some savings from the good year before and we're like all right let's just try and move there and slow season is about to come up at least for me like architecture is really from march to november right like nicer seasons more like summer it's way more about grass and trees oh yeah that makes sense that makes sense yeah so figured okay well let me just spend the next few months really trying to build up clients over there and just meeting with people and showing my portfolio and maybe by March I'll have a bunch of clients that I can just go shoot for and then that way I can have clients in Denver because that's where we want to live but then also come back to Dallas because all my family's here and have shoots and stuff and anyways so far I've booked like four flights in in September and October already (laughs) back and forth it's going to be wild 
So did you buy a house up there? We're or renting. Rent a house or something? Or? We're renting. Okay. Because yeah. I'm scared of the market right now. Like, it's just so, like, it's great. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so high, but. Well, I'm, especially if I'm you a have a motorhome that is, that you own outright. Yeah. And you don't have work currently going up there. Yeah. And with we the pandemic the and rental. everything going on. Back I, in the RV. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're ready to go. I wondered yeah. what you were doing because I'd noticed you were like posting up for it somewhere recently, looking through your like Instagram stories so and stuff. So the RV broke down in Amarillo, and it's still not fixed. What happened to it? Um, serpentine belt. Okay. Exploded because oh, the air okay. compressor seized up. Oh damn! Okay. For the AC or AC compressor. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. So yeah. because it messed up so many components, there was stuff that they didn't even know about. So they got everything in. Parts took forever to get in because it's a unique machine like 10 different companies build an rv it's, it's yeah. ridiculous yeah yeah anyways finally got parts in go to go to drive it away and there's like this weird clanging noise which i don't know how they didn't hear it but something with the fan hub and now since mm. since the fan hub has to be replaced i have to take out the radiator yep. but the radiator yep. is because the engine so well. is up inside and so you yeah. have to add, pull that to get access to So we're doing the radiator it. and the fan hub, which is going to be like another $5,000. But oh. we're going to sell it whenever it's fixed. Oh, really? Because we paid cash for it. So, like, we have over six figures just sitting yeah. in there. Well, are you are y'all done doing the bus life stuff for right now? You're like, cool, or the motorhome, whatever you want to call it. Like, we did that. We're over it now. Like, so we were shooting for a year when we first started. We were like, okay, even if it gets really hard, we're just going to not get emotional about it and know that we're doing a year. We started October 1. So Yeah, which is like we talked I think what like right after that. Yeah, it was I think so. very 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 like it was, it was November or, yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, we're hitting a year in like 2 weeks, but the RV is still not repaired. So, instead of staying with the in-laws, we went ahead and um, found this rental in it's Sedalia, which is a little bit west of Castle Rock, 20 minutes south of Denver. Anyways, it is phenomenal. It's, did you see on my story, I had to buy a boat or <laughs> I didn't have to buy a boat, but I, Oops, I had to get a boat. Had to get a boat. Well, we were thinking, okay, we stay on lakes everywhere we go. Yeah. Why not bring a boat? Yeah, that us? makes sense. And I found this awesome deal on Craigslist for $7,000. I mean, beautiful boat. Anyways. Everyone That's told me not, not bad. Everyone told me not to do it, but I did it anyways. Hey, you know, <laughs> sometimes you got to have the I haters roll. to push you over the edge. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got so upset. <laughs> I even like blew up on people. I was like, dude, stop, stop being negative. Like, why are you, you know, it comes from their own experience, which whatever. Anyways, I knew it was a good deal. Um, so we're in Kansas. We take it out on the lake. It's great. Our next place is Colorado. There are really no boating lakes in Colorado. I was about to ask you about that. I was going to say, because no. I was up there last week and we were looking around. I was like, there's really not much water, but there sure as hell is in Texas. Yeah, there, there's plenty of lakes in Texas, but definitely not Colorado. So when we got there, the RV spot didn't have enough room for a boat in two cars. And <laughs> <laughs> like definitely not minimal RV people. <laughs> um, and so we had to end up finding a storage place to put the boat. Okay. And the guy that ran the place and owned it, he kind of like squeezed us in a corner last second and really helped us out. And we ended up telling him our story a little bit. And he's like, well, 
my mom passed away a year ago and her house is just kind of sitting there. I'd love to rent it out so someone's there until I can really like fix it up and sell it. And oh, stuff. so it could be like a legit just like short time, like in and out whenever you need to pretty much. So we're, we, we was like, oh, that sounds sketchy. Like it's been sitting in old lady's house or something. I don't know. We we get there. It's a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar house on five acres in wow. in that like all the houses it around furnished. There. Uh, no. Okay. They, there's some antique furniture in the living room, but we're getting rid of it because it's it's like nineteen twenties. <laughs> it's just not our. I'm hey, if it's not your model. style, man. If it's, it's if it's not, not your style. vibe, you gotta you gotta switch the vibe here. I'm gonna. We just got. No, you're good. We just got super blessed. It was just like the most random. It was the most random chance meeting and we couldn't find anything on our own. Like we looked and we couldn't find anything for rent less than 2,500 bucks. That was decent and nothing had land. Everything's all the houses are like super tight together. Anyways. So he's like, yeah, 1700 bucks a month. That'd be great. You know, pretty much takes care of the house payment. And we're like, Are you serious? We, we got online the other day and looked at the tax records and stuff. It's 3,400 square feet with the basement. Like Man, you can't, a, you can't get something like that in Texas, let alone near Denver, like 20 minutes from yeah. Denver. It's, it's crazy. So we had to take it. So he did a six month lease that way. Um, we can just kind of figure out if we want to live in Denver away from family, which is the biggest kind of risk for us is just leaving everybody here. We have so many ties and friends and family and stuff. Yeah. So got to risk it for the biscuit. Yeah. So what, what, uh, when let's call the COVID stuff, whenever this stuff started popping off, like February, March, April, Yep. what happened with you work wise? So, um, I was already pretty slow from January and February for architecture photography because it's just winter and nobody wants to shoot winter projects. It just doesn't look good. But I had February and March starting to fill up and then, um, all of it just canceled from March, April. I may have shot a couple projects in May, but yeah, it just completely dropped off. Luckily, I had some graphic design stuff that was still going, but as far as architecture photography, everybody canceled because at that point, no one knew is, is like COVID going to kill everybody. Right. Or, you know, it was like super, very unsure, unsure and scary at that point. Uh, <clears throat> what percentage do you think of your work was photography versus design stuff before mm, all this? I'd say like 60 or 70% photography, 30% graphic design work branding projects and just random. So all the photography stuff dropped off pretty much. You did most of your graphic design stuff on like all this day on or? Um, some of that dropped off too. Yeah. That's wild. Uh, so how did you handle all that then? Um, you know, going RV life, we kind of didn't really have much bills. Like we paid cash for the RV and the Jeep from the proceeds from selling the house and um so we we don't have a lot of bills but we definitely cut spending i mean we went from just kind of like oh, going out to eat whatever to all right we're we need to make sure that we can make what we have in the bank last for at least the next six months and 
just kind of rationing it. Like if we're not getting anything else for who knows how long, we got to make what we have last. So we just cut everything. Like it was just food and necessities. So pretty, pretty at that point, it was very scary. I mean, with all the photo shoots that got canceled and then graphic design work where people are saying, I don't know what our budget's going to be like. Everything's changing. Very uncertain. So pretty scary. So then since then, have you been able to, as like, it seems like work's been picking up for you a little bit, right? Or has it not? Um, or when you're back here for a shoot, so yes, at least something. A lot of these shoots were shoots that were supposed to happen in March and oh, April. Okay. So a lot of them have been postponed all the way up until now. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's been it's been a ride for sure. Anyways, it's scary, scary oh, stuff. Yeah. I mean, have you done anything different to start trying to, to get work or have you just kind of like, um, I, I've kind of stayed to the mindset of when I don't have work, I'll work on my own stuff. And, um, I was able to spend, I don't know, 200 hours on building a new studio website, like all my graphic design and branding and marketing stuff. That website had been outdated for like three years. I mean, just super old stuff on there. And it's still a big part of what I do. And so I went ahead and just spent a ton of time updating it and um, kind of almost rebranding. It was 1857 Studio. Now it's all Park, P-A-R-R-C-H. So um, I spent a lot of time on that. And then I definitely reached out to all of my clients and just said, hey, I know everything's crazy right now. Um but you're still, you still need marketing. Like you still need photography. You still need graphic design. Um, so let's just keep working. And if we need to put push it from net 30 to net 90 or net 120, I'm okay with that. Like I know you guys are good for it and I don't want to, I don't want you guys to have to be in a tough spot. And right. then also I don't want to just be sitting around doing nothing. So right, yeah if you're okay with spreading it spreading it out over the next four months or just waiting four months to pay me whatever you need to do i'm here for you guys and want to help you guys continue on through this tough time so a little risky like will i get paid in four or five months mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. but again i think it's all about relationship and i i got in this because I enjoy what I do and I enjoy helping other people and I enjoy problem solving with creativity. So when I don't have any work, I'll just do my own stuff. But then when it's, you know, when I don't get work because of COVID, I just figured why not just help other people out? So um, I think whenever I had those phone calls, I feel like that went a long way. Like people were like, Whoa, what? Like we don't have any vendors. that." So you were reaching like out that. personally by phone call. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's something I kind of, that makes sense. Uh, you mentioned reaching out to them. My mind immediately goes to like sending out an email, mm-hmm. but then you mentioned that and I bet you, you called them and then I remember you know, yesterday, I think it was when we were talking, texting back and forth about coming here today to do the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like pick up the phone and call me and you're like yeah I'm old school I like to I like to pick up the phone and There's call just, I'm like but it does make a difference yeah. you know like it's it not does. you can hear a lot of people don't do it 
if people are being genuine or sarcastic or goofy or whatever, you just don't get that from yeah. text and email. Yeah. And for me, I could spend 30 minutes writing an email or five minutes on a phone call. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather just do the phone call. People can hear your voice. And, and sometimes that also <laughs> leads up to like other relationship stuff as far as like, oh, but how are you doing otherwise? Like, are you guys okay? Your family okay? Is everybody good? Um, which that doesn't happen on email. Not to say there's not a place for email because I think there is. Right. You can really think about what you want to say on important stuff. But for like, for something like that, I felt it was valuable to touch base on phone call. I'm sure it makes a difference too because uh, so many people do email stuff and yeah. I think we're all pretty inundated with high amounts of emails. So it's really easy to just glaze over, blaze past them, True. hit delete, skip them. I'll come back to them later and never come back to them or whatever. Yeah. But there, I would imagine that there aren't as many people that are making the move to call Maybe and not. so it probably sticks out. I mean, to you, I mean, I would imagine because you do it all the time, it seems just like, oh yeah, this is kind of what you do, right? Yeah. But I, I don't personally know a lot of people that do really? that. It, maybe they do, and we just haven't ever talked about it. But yeah. that'd be an interesting poll, like yeah. on, on Instagram yeah. stories. Like, do you call your clients or do you email your clients? I have not, I and honestly, I'm like possible. terrible about doing that kind of stuff. Most of my marketing that I do is like Instagram or yeah. a little bit of Facebook stuff on my own website. I just I guess I, my metrics has been not the greatest for why I send that stuff out or mm-hmm. what to like, why to keep doing it. And instead of continually sending stuff out or reaching out as a way of just kind of updating and continually telling that story, mm-hmm. I, I guess part of me thinks is, is like, well, if I'm here now, like just continue just consider that I always will be. Cause in my mind, I always think about like, well, if there's a service provider that I need, even though it's been maybe years, you can still reach out. I'm always going to reach out. I'm always going to see uh-huh. if that person's doing it. Uh, I don't know, but I think there's probably something to that. I don't know. I don't remember where exactly I was going off all that. But no, you're good. There, there's just different ways of doing it. Um, I just like I like calling. For me, it all goes back to relationship, and it's really hard to have a deeper relationship over text or email versus talking over the phone. In my yeah. opinion, yeah. So that's cool, man. Do it. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else? And talk about COVID related in business. You think that we should hit on? Um, I think it was really important to be um, really flexible and be able to just cut spending and bring it down to an absolute minimal amount of spending. But that was all because we were prepared that way. We were set up that way. A lot of people have, in my opinion, a lot of unneeded overhead. You know, they sign up for, I don't know, big car payments, big house payments, all this stuff. For us, we we bought a foreclosure on a house. We we buy used furniture. Like, we we don't, I don't know, we, we spend frugally. And that way, if something ever does happen, we don't have a lot of payments and bills mm-hmm. to, to take care of. We kind of spend it as we get it versus take on a, a ton of debt. And I've just heard a lot of stories of people like, well, all this stuff's going to, credit cards are all late and my house is going to get foreclosed on and all that, you know, all this stuff. So I, I just think it's important to, to spend wisely. I, I think schools need to do a better job on 
edu- education as far yeah, as like financing yeah. finances. Have you always like been that. that way? Or I mean, did you ever go through your patch of not being great with finances? And I started mowing lawns when I was 13 and learned how to manage money that way. So that, I don't think I got it from my parents or anything. <laughs> I wanted this uh, model Corvette, like a model car, little yeah. skill. Mm-hmm. And it was 30 bucks at Albertsons. And my mom said, no way. She's like, but you can make money and come back and buy it. And so I just learned the value of working and making money and be able to buy what I wanted. And it just kind of, it just went on from there. Just learned how to save up. And yeah, that was super valuable. That's cool, man. I had to learn the hard way. And uh, (laughs) I spent my 20s in debt and just perpetually doing that and like talking myself into going into debt. And I still do it sometimes a little bit. I really try not to. Yeah. But I've gotten a a much tighter rein on it. And I I mean, I got to say, just from being on both sides, it is much more uh, stress-free relaxing to not have to worry about that so much. <laughs> I mean, to your point, like I don't have like whenever the pandemic stuff hit, I bought a school bus last October, like oh, yeah. right before we started talking, like the first time we talked. Right. And so the plan was to build that out and to be living in it full time by now. Uh-huh. And so right. like mid January, I decided, okay, at the end of March, I'm going to find somebody at a friend of mine that had wanted to move into my place for a long time. I was like, I'm going to find, I'm going to get him to sublease my place, mm-hmm. take over my lease. Yep. I don't have any vehicle payments. I had an office payment at the time, but that was something I knew I could get out of sure. pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, and so whenever uh, COVID stuff started happening, I, oh, and whenever, whenever I decided to move out of my place, I was like, I'm just going to move back in with my parents at the end of March. Mm-hmm. And be right where the bus is and work on it. The week that I was moving my stuff is when stuff really started getting crazy. (laughs) And so the timing of it was just very great, honestly, because work had been really slow for me since the beginning of December, but I'd had enough of a cushion like income wise and kept my bills low enough. And then whenever that happened, I mean, just like any, like I had, same thing. I had a couple of shoots that got postponed for like months Mm -hmm. before they finally happened. But, uh, it's been nice being able to pull back and scale back like that. And now I don't have an office payment. I've got a loft again. I ended up signing a lease on, but you know, small payment there. That's also my office. And, and, and it is nice being able to kind of flex back and forth like that because I don't have payments. That's huge. It's huge. So yeah, maybe not taking on too much overhead as a small business. That's maybe my advice. Cool, man. Well, dude, thanks for coming. Yeah, for sure. It's good to talk again. Good. Good to see you. As always, it's great to talk with Parrish. He always does great work, and I really enjoy having conversation with him. Before we hop into today's full-length interview with Max Coots, I want to tell you about a new program that I've got on Patreon where anybody that is interested in supporting the show uh, can do so for $3 a month. Uh, Currently, I don't have anything else, any other perks on Patreon. This is kind of my first foray into this realm, but uh, the podcast does seem to be picking up a little bit of steam, and I'm still putting out episodes. And with all that, it takes a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of gear, which costs a lot of money. And so um, if you are interested in supporting the show and helping this to continue going, that's the best way you can do that. Just head over to Patreon. It's only $3 a month. And the way that you want to do it for one month, 
and whether you want to do it only for one month or month to month to month to month, whatever you'd like to uh, do, I would be really grateful for that. And also in the future, I do plan on adding additional tiers that will have benefits and perks, but uh, this is kind of the first step to get to that. So you can do that. Just head over to patreon.com slash Really easy to do. We'll only take a few minutes to set up an account and everything there. And we can also interact and chat over there and hopefully get you involved in some of the episodes as far as the guests that we have on, maybe some of the questions that we ask, etc. Because really the show is for all the listeners. And if we aren't putting stuff out that's helping you, then we're not really doing a job over here. So if you could head over to patreon.com slash vacacy, $3 a month. Super simple. Thanks so much. Now, without further delay, let's talk to Max. You you said you just recently quit freelancing. I did. I just recently quit um, freelancing. And yeah, I've got a full-time job, um, which is a huge departure from what I was, uh, I don't know, from like the last three years because I spent three years freelancing um, it was my like second job that I ever had was freelance. And so like, I, like my first job was at music bed and then my freelance was, um, my second job. And I just, I like was prepared for it, but like, I also wasn't prepared for it. Do you as know far I mean? as doing it full time, like do yeah, or as just as period like, as like right, a job and like pushing yourself forward. Like okay. that's something that you have to like be pretty established to like, I don't know do well. Um, and so, but three years went happened and it was like killer and it was awesome. Um, and then I got this job and like for a couple of reasons like this, it was, um, I don't know. It was, it was just like the right decision. You know what I mean? And I think I was pretty hesitant about making that decision. Um, but it, I mean, I think everything, everything's just worked out really well. Yeah. What do you, uh, so what's the new job you're doing? New job. I work for a company called Swoon, the studio. Um, I know some people over there. Do you? Yeah. Katie used to be my neighbor. Yes. Yeah. And Brittany Pickle. Brittany Pickle. Yeah. They were my neighbors. Brittany's a great designer and Katie's amazing too. Yeah. They work on some badass projects. Right. So yeah. So I've been, since I've been there, man, I've worked on like, huge stuff like some I think things I can say things I can't um we like I branded a um we branded like a a district coming up in downtown that's cool which is kind of rad um (laughs) branding the city branding the city what's up um and then like uh you know we work really closely with Headington and and um yeah I mean I was like telling you earlier I was I was doing a a little short film teaser for their eyeball party that they have after art week. Mm-hmm. And, um, dude, I just hazing out that room just kind of destroyed my sinuses. So if in the midst of this interview, I sound very strange. That's, that's why. So, so. if you don't take anything else away from this, <laughs> don't haze yourself, bro. Don't haze yourself, dude. <laughs> We're trying to do this like, uh, 60, like, or like 70, late sixties, early seventies, like vinyl record vibe. And but like dirty seventies, not like flowery seventies. You know, like more Woodstock than yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know, lava lamp. And um, so we're trying to get the like hotboxing vibe <laughs> without actually hotboxing. Um, you know, CBD is legal, right? I, it is. It's legal. I think we should just load up the hazer with some CBD. But um, no, it it definitely affected my lungs probably in a similar capacity. I'm glad to hear that you're getting back a little bit. Yeah. What? Okay, so you said you freelance full time for three years. Freelance full time for three years. What? Yeah. Uh, 
were you doing freelance work part time for a while before that? Or no, what was actually, kind of your journey into freelancing. Yeah, that's actually probably one of the uh, worst ways of the way I did it was probably one of the worst ways of going about doing it, about go, stepping into freelance. Um, so I was working at. Uh, well, I, I'll just start kind of from the beginning. Um, <clears throat> I was in college. And I w- it was like my junior year of college, and Daniel McCarthy, the owner of Music Bed, um, called me up. Uh, he, I had never met him, but his wife went to high school with my sister, okay. so they had that sort of connection. Um, and I guess he had like seen my work, which was awful at the time. Um, and he let me know. By the way, I'll get there. Um, anyway, he called me up. <clears throat> and he was like, "Hey, Max, um, what are you doing right now?" And I was like, "Well, I just..." Started my last semester of my junior year. He was like, what if, <laughs> he's so brash. He's like, what if you just drop out, come work for me, and I'll teach you everything you need to know. And I was like, um, I'm going to I'm gonna have to think about that. He's like, all right, cool, cool. Just like, let me know. Anyway, so I decided it'd be a good idea. Uh, so I dropped out of college, uh, junior year. I still have a year left. I don't know if I'm ever going to finish. Don't really care to. Um, but then I went to work with music bed. Um, and I like, well, back up. I like went to meet with Daniel about working for them. And I was, cause like I was, I was like good to go. Like I, I was, I was ready to work there. And I had thought we had communicated that I was going to work there after that offer. Like I thought it was like a formal job offer. And, um, I was like, uh, yeah, so I can start working in June. It was in May. I was like, I can start working in June. He was like, whoa, I like how like passionate you are about this. He was like, we haven't even talked about it here. Like, all right. I love how like, it, like committed. And I was like, yeah. Like, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I thought you had said that other thing, And I was though. like, totally. Yes, absolutely. And so, <laughs> so, so I started on the film team there, uh, which was awesome. I learned a ton um, with Kristen Schultz, who's now doing awesome things. Um, and then I like it was I was about six months on the film team, and it was just like not necessarily connecting perfectly. Like I think they needed someone who was a little bit more developed. Um, I didn't know what I was doing at all at the time because again, my work was horrible. And when Daniel first called me, he was actually like, um, he was like, just let you know, your portfolio sucks. <laughs> um, but you've got a good eye and, you know, come work with me, come work for me. I'll teach. Is that you. how he actually said it? That is legitimate. That is legitimately how he said it. <laughs> it's horrible. So wow. weird. But that, I, that's I great though. That's, I agreed. Like I yeah. knew, I knew that my, my, uh, portfolio was garbage and then, uh, but I was like working towards making it better. Like, I think I was really hungry, really fighting to sort of make it better. Anyway. So I like went to Daniel and, um, I was like, hey, man, this isn't working. And he was like, I know it's not working. Uh, I can tell. Uh, we have an opening on the design team if you want to do that. So I was like, yeah, that sounds good. I'll do that. So I moved over to the design team, and then, like, everything sort of just, like, flourished from there. Um, I started getting into photography. Then I became the principal photographer there. Um, and then, like, Film and Music came out, the, their quarterly magazine. And I ended up doing, like, like a huge percentage of the photography there. And I think after about two years, so it was a year and a half on the design team. I don't think I got like a big head, but I got a little, um, uh, antsy. Um, cause I wanted to, I wanted to keep going on this photography thing because like I, I kind of got a taste of it and I felt like I was pretty good at it. 
Um, but I had no contacts at all uh, when I jumped the ship. And so I, 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 I like went up and I talked to Daniel and I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Um, I'm kind of nervous too. And he was like, dude, you, you're, you've grown so much the last two years. Your work is fantastic. You'll be fine. I'll, I will tell everybody I know about it. You'll be fine. You're going to do great. You're good at what you do. So I was like, I was like, great. And that, that's a cool thing for a boss to say. Yeah. To be encouraging. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And Daniel was, man, it's just the, I like consistently go back when I think about like, leadership and the leader that I probably, I definitely want to be like to employees and other people in my life. And like, he's a huge example of a good one. Um, he is like super intense when he's intense, but he's like super, um, personable and like about you and about these people when he's like that. And I love it. I like love all of that about him. Um, anyway, so I went freelance, um, started off, uh, with, Zero clients, except my sister, who was doing like a conference thing. So I like spent a couple months doing the um, conference branding for it before I went freelance. Went freelance the next day, I like left for um, Louisiana where the conference was at. It's actually where I met my wife. So hey, it worked out. I guess ultimately. Um, shout out to quitting your job and meeting your wife. <laughs> just, what is up? Just like marrying the first girl you meet uh, after a life change. No, that's not true. Think women want a stable guy. Wrong. I quit my job and that's what it took. And she's like, wow, <laughs> I've always wanted someone who has no work. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, she, she actually was a catalyst to like um, helping me continue freelance for as long as I did um, because like she is just a... She's an extremely driven person. Um, and I am only a driven person when I believe in something, which is one fault of mine. Like, it's really hard for me if I don't have someone behind me cracking my, like, cra- not my whip, but a whip, the proverbial whip. Like, I, and I, like, don't believe in something, which, by the way, part of freelance is, like, doing a lot of shit you don't really care about, like, a ton of it, it, it too much of it. Um, and so... With freelance, actually, I'll, I'll get into why I um, uh, got a full-time job. With freelance, I had, my first year was really horrible. I gotten like, I probably gotten like $6,000 of debt to like my parents, which I was really grateful that they were there in that moment. Um, but it was like horrible to pay back. But I'm like also grateful that I didn't fail, like, like get more into debt throughout that time. Um, almost got evicted a couple times out of my apartment which was great. Uh, but somehow everything always worked out. Um, but yeah. And so like, that was really tough. And then the second year things got a little bit better. Um, I was never really in the negative after that first year. Um, and then about halfway through my second year of being freelance, like a fantastic client came out of nowhere. Um, it was actually, uh, compass. That's like a real estate company. Okay. Here in yeah, Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Um, which they're, they're still a fantastic client. Like I still do a ton of work for them. Um, but dude, it probably fulfilled like 80% of my like bills and needs and stuff like that. And, um, so I was like really stoked on that. They were just moving into Dallas. They were just, um, like it was like me and like two other, like five other photographers at the time. And then like all the other photographers like fell off the map because I like, I, 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 me and, and another guy, we were just like shooting everything, which was really 
cool. And it was like really consistent. I ended up making like really good money on it. Um, but like it was sor- sort of almost like an inverse like effect that like the more money I made on work that like I care I cared about. Like I, I really worked hard to make it really nice. But like it wasn't fulfilling that like creative drive inside of me. But the more money I made, the like less I like pushed myself to do other stuff that I actually believed in. Um, and again, I believe in companies; they're awesome. I'm not. I'm, I don't want to lose them as a client right now. But um, but like you know, like that's 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 work. That's like no, I get it's it. money stuff, right? Yeah, it it just. Whenever you're doing your fun hobby day in and day out, it becomes work, and at right. some point you need to get away from it. Right. And it's hard to feel like you're getting away from work if your hobby is going and shooting more stuff, if you're right. photographing stuff and editing photographs all day long. I don't want to go do that again. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. and that's the position I found myself in over yeah. the last few years is that I love playing with cameras mm. and shooting video and photos and doing all this stuff, but I can't remember the last time that I really picked up a camera to go shoot something on my own for fun because right. I go and I think about it and I go, okay, oh gosh, I'm going to have to back those photos up and then I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. through and cull all of them. Where am I going to post them? What am right. I going to do with them? Why am I doing and all this different stuff? And it feels right. like work. And I'm like, ah, I just want to go work on my car or right. whatever it is or like do something, something to it. I want to go play different. my guitar. Yeah. I don't want to do that thing. And now the thing that I used to do because I loved it, right. now I almost loathe right. or despise no, doing totally. it. Does that make sense? Of course. I mean, like I would go on like vacations with my family and um, it's like great places, right? Like beautiful places. And um, I would never really want to take my camera. Like yeah. they'd always ask me to. And they'd be like, can you take photos for us? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. Like, this is a beautiful place. And I found myself in this gorgeous place um, with a camera on that will take a good image. And I just don't want to do it. Yeah. Like, please don't. I would take a couple to like write off the dude, I, trip. I mean, dude, I went to Spain last and Germany with my sister last summer for yeah. 10 or 15 days. And I didn't take a camera with me. Right. I took my drone and I didn't fly it at all. Right. And I don't, I mean, like I might've taken a handful of photos. <laughs> It, and I like didn't, on your phone? Yeah. And <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't take my computer. <coughs> like, right. I didn't hardly check my email, any right. of that stuff. And it was the greatest thing in the world. It was fantastic. And, I, man, for myself, I think that I need um, sort of a sense of discovery to continue what I'm doing. Um, and, like, when I, when I first got into, like, filmmaking, photography, design, whatever, um, it was always that, like, sort of sense of discovery, that, like, fight of I don't know what I'm doing but I also like need to do it. So it's uh-huh. like, it, it, so you just figure it out and it's scrappy and it's kind of dumb. And like you go into a, a Photoshop file and it's like a wreck, you know, because you're just trying to figure out how to right, do something. Right, right, yeah. Um, and I think I kind of lost that sense of discovery when I had to worry about the money coming through. I had to um, like figure out uh, where a job is coming from. I had to like, uh, push myself to do something new. And then I also had to like shoot all the time. So like, I kind of lost that sense of discovery of where I was doing something I didn't know how to do. Um, and actually one of, and I think we can talk about this more a little bit later or now, whatever. Um, but one of the things that like pushed me back into like doing that again and wanting that thing is, um, kind of going back to film photography. Um, 
I picked up a Mamiya RZ67 and like, it's like a beautiful camera, right? Had no idea. I had like shot like one roll of film in my life and it turned out just awful, just oh, my, so bad. And I was like up in, I was actually up in New York with music bed, um, on my grandpa's Nikon F2A or something. And I was like, um, hanging out with Solomon Ligthom and like shooting like film shots of that. And they all came back just brown and gross <laughs> and terrible. And so I like swore off film for like the longest time. Uh, this was like in 2015, 14, something like that. And then, um, I read an article about how someone had like dealt with the same thing with 35 millimeter, but then they stepped into medium format and like everything changed for them. So I was like, okay, maybe I can try that again. I got a Mamiya, um, I borrowed a friend's and then I got my own. But dude, it like, that like sense of discovery like came back and I'm like doing a lot of things like I really love and also this job is helping and it like feels like, it feels like I like started a pilot light up underneath me again. You know what I mean? Where yeah. it's like that like kind of died. Um, and there's like so many things to there's so many things to like why that happened or why the flame died and 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 got reignited like my wife being a huge um proponent of and like in supporter of me just like going and doing what I want not what I have to do um and so she's been a she's been like a really huge help for that which is awesome um and she's actually the one she was like I think you I think you need to get a job because <laughs> yeah. not because like our money's fine. Like we're doing okay. Um, but like, what, what are you, what are you going for in your life? Like where are you headed? Which is not a fun conversation to have. Um, but thankfully like having it with your wife is better than having it. With I mean, I think it's great boss. that you have somebody there to have that conversation with you. That's, Absolutely. that's really just kind of looking out for you and it's not a, right. Like a judgmental thing, right? And like I could, I could feel it, but I didn't know that was happening, right? Like I could feel like not really stoked to be there or whatever, but I wasn't. I mean, I was fine. I was just doing my work. I was fine. It was whatever. On paper, you're doing the thing you love. You should have right. be happy or whatever. So right, and I was like meeting not? new people, I mean, getting new clients sometimes. But um, like again, I would always kind of go back to that one big client. Um, but no, man, she like really pushed me to like discover what it was and um, like find out how to do it and. I ended up um, kind of applying to Swoon, kind of. Um, they, I had, like, emailed them. Um, and I was like, hey, I would love to, like, come in and meet you guys. Like, I, you know my wife, Maddie. Um, and, like, I would love to show you my portfolio, <clears throat> my photography portfolio, and just, like, sort of get to know everybody. And they were like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, how about like three months from now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't think that they were like super interested at first <laughs> at all. Cause like, um, oh man. Uh, give me a month to get back with you on this. Right. Maybe. Right. Maybe. Um, and so I'm like, that's a little nervous, nerve wracking. That's fine. That's okay. But in the midst of like that month versus when I went in and met them, they posted online that they needed a designer. And they didn't know I was a designer. Oh, uh, okay. And so when I went into the meeting three months later, they still hadn't found one. Or I think they had, like, just found someone. Um, and I was like, yeah, here's my for photography portfolio. Like, I, you know, I really enjoy doing it and blah, 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 blah. They're like, yeah, wow, this is really pretty. <laughs> They're really sweet to me. Um, well, it is beautiful. It is pretty work, but it's not like – I found out later that they were like – we were like – Man, your work was great, but like we did not want to see another photographer's portfolio. We had just seen like eight that week, <laughs> and that, which made me laugh. Um, but I was like, actually, I'm also a designer, 
um, if you want to see that too. And like my design portfolio was like, I hadn't updated it in like two years. And so it was just not very good. They were like, oh yeah, we'd love to. Like what? And so I sort of like shoehorned my (laughs) my way into an interview. (laughs) And I didn't mean to, I mean, like not like, honestly, I didn't mean to. But um, uh, anyway, they like, they were like, we love it. We love what you do. We love your eye. We love, you know, whatever. Um, your design portfolio is not very big, so maybe we can do like a two-week um, trial period. Because again, it was like two years old, right? And then after like a week, they're like, "Okay, yeah, 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 you're good, you're good, you're good, come on, yeah, um, that's awesome." But it was it was so interesting shifting from like working, and ultimately, 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 the greatest reward that I found going back into a job is community. Um. And because it was really hard for me, even having like a co-working space, like it was really hard for me to push myself because I can do all my work at home. Like I got a computer, I got a laptop, I knew I'd sit on my couch and watch the office while I do it. Like, why would I go anywhere else when I have the office right here in front of me and I'm watching Michael Scott all day? Like it's the best, it's the best, best, best path. Um, But like what happened is I'd like stop having people around me that would like challenge me or that would like push me to do something I didn't do, um, except for Maddie, but of course she was gone all day. She was at work. Um, but yeah, man, that's like the biggest, and ultimately that's why I got another, got a full-time job. Like it wasn't the money, but it was just like people around me fighting for the same goal that are better than me at a lot of areas than I am. And I can learn from, and then it brought back that sense of discovery because I'm doing stuff that I've never done before. I'd imagine it probably helps too that you're not having to make so many decisions on other things. Oh my god! And so you get to spend most of your time probably in that creative headspace versus that like business yeah. administrative. Well, like one of the hardest parts is like figuring out how much you're going to charge a client. Like, and it's uh, like a shifting scale for some reason. Like, like you feel like you should have. Well, it's hard because there's not any. The amount of time that it's going to take is varied. There's you can't say it's going to take this amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's hard to. There's just so many unpredictable factors. Right. And you want to work with a client. Yeah. There's there's no, there's no like everything is kind of ranges. Like it'll take about this long. It could cost about this. (laughs) It could. Like maybe I can, oh, your budget's half of that. Well, 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 wait. Well, let's make this work. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like it's just, it's so flexible (laughs) and it's hard to. It's hard to be like, oh, here's the thing and it costs this. Right. And so I think having someone else doing that, um, and of course I like tell them how long I spent on something, but like having someone else and then having like a client list that's like already kind of understands how much a big job would cost with like a studio is, is pretty rad. I mean, it's just, it's great not having to like worry about that. Yeah. Um, and I do, I, I feel like I can, um, I don't know. I mean, I can like feel like I can come home from work and then like I can just like be me. Like I don't have to like be thinking about the next job. This is one of the things that was so tough about freelance. And like, I like not to say that anybody shouldn't ever like, or shouldn't do freelance because I think that like, it's such a reward doing it. And like, I found a crap load of reward for three years while I was doing it. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing it for that long. And I probably would still be doing it if I had more like, uh, personal response, like, like drive and responsibility to like do something correctly right now. But, um, like when you're freelance, you're like kind of always working, but you always sort of have a half day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you have yeah. like, like you are working a half day on Sunday, 
but it's also kind of half day because you, you can make your own hours. But then you have those days where it's like a 17 hour day and all of that. But I feel like just like with a full time gig, it, um, I don't know, man, I don't have to like, I don't have to go home and think about like my next job. Yeah, and know. you kind of know that you have like it's that boundary of right. when I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm not, I'm not. Right, exactly. And, and Swoon does a great job um, kind of allowing for that like life and um, work balance, whatever work life balance. Um, and so I'm really grateful and like really thankful to be in the place that I'm at. What, uh, whenever you were freelancing, what, uh, how did you go about getting work? And what was kind of your experience with that like? Um, so, I have this ideal of, which I don't really even know that much about, um, but of like inbound marketing about how like I'd never really wanted to be the person to go out and like contact people. Yeah. Um, and so most of, most of my contacts came from like other community people that I knew or like other work that I had done. Um, but I would, um, like at the end of a job, like if I was, if like I was talking to a client about it and they were like really satisfied with it, which was always, of course, they always <laughs> love my work. Um, but I'll be like, Hey, uh, you know, this is, um, thank Like I'm, I'm so glad we worked together. Like if you really enjoyed it, like if you would let other people know, that'd be awesome. Which felt really weird because I'm not a networker. I love people and I love hanging out with people, but I like hate networking. I just like, it like grates against my soul to be like, Hey, Casey, my name is Max. Wow. Like, Oh, it's so cool what you do. Tell me what you do. And then like, here's my card. <laughs> like, you know, like it feels, it feels kind of dumb because yeah. it feels like you like are just using people in my mind. There are people who are fantastic networkers that also make friends with everyone. And I think that's great. I'd rather just make friends with everybody. And like when things come, they come. And like, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. If not, they don't. I know what you mean. It's a weird, uh, it feels not genuine. It feels kind of dirty. Or kind of <laughs> like, what are you really after here? Right, like, what like, is your, what's your angle? Because I want you to pay me, but I feel like you want me to pay you. Right. And, and I'm not here for that. That's not my, yeah, that's not, I feel like, or like if, if you like have friends with people, someone that is like a really heavy networker, you're like, are we friends? Or are you like waiting for an opportunity to like <laughs> get work from me? Yeah. Let, let's go. Mm. So I think ultimately I was really blessed and, um, to like, just like those jobs sort of just come to me in a lot of ways, which is not advice you should probably ever give anybody because for a lot of people that it's not the case. Um, I think that like my, uh, relationships that I had built up at music bed previously in my life at college, you know, <clears throat> growing up, things like that afforded me really good opportunity and honestly, like a, a good amount of privilege because I was able to be in those like kind of successful places that um, sort of snowballed into like having clients. Like yeah. one big client found me through Weld, actually, <clears throat> the co-working space um, that a lot of like really cool people are involved in. And then like another client found me through like Stocksy, which I was on. Um, and that's actually how Compass found me. There's a producer like called the creative director of Stocksy and they're like, who do you know in Dallas. And so I don't like, I, there was never really any, and actually it may be a reason that I'm not freelance right now is that there wasn't necessarily a formula to like getting new job or new jobs. Like okay. Work it was more kind of a, I uh, hope it happens still. Yeah. What, so you said that you would 
uh, basically ask for referrals? Um, kind, kind of, of or? kind of, I would like, just like talk to them about like the next thing that they're doing, if they know anybody that's doing something else. Um, and I, I never really made it like kind of referrally, but I tried to make it as like, like friend, uh, God, it sounds so networking. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the exact opposite of what I was talking about. Um, but no, I, I was just like, it's just so important for me to like meet others and like do work for others and like be in that sphere. Um, that like that's sort of what I was going after, not necessarily like getting the next job. Um, like there's a lot of people that I would. Um, that I would like meet and, and, and like clients I would meet who would like introduce me to the other ones just because like we're like friends now. Um, like there's a, like a, a, a lot of real estate agents actually uh, because I was doing that for so long. Like I've gotten like, I got really good business through like just being friends with these agents because like I was able to like be in this echelon of people that I would have never been able to touch without like taking their photo. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then they introduced me to a builder or they introduced me to uh, a gallery host or, you know, whatever it was. So is there anything, do you ever, or do you ever do anything, doing anything as far as trying to provide some sort of a client experience or you just being friendly with them? Um, or So it's funny is Maddie, Maddie and I have had this conversation a ton because she's way better at stuff like that than I am. Um, and so she's always like, you got to send a card out at the end of the year. Like you got to send a little package to like your like top clients. You have to do it. Like it's, that is good business. And I'm like, yeah, I definitely do need to do that for sure. I'll get that done next week. And it just never got done. <laughs> uh, next, I'll do the next, next year is going to be the year that I That's start like that. That's like the year yeah, that I yeah, like yeah. have the right invoicing service. Not and the, I, I got to get my stuff together more yeah, first. Yeah, I like send out contracts before every job. Like next <laughs> year's the year. <laughs> I'll do my taxes in quarterly, not, not yearly. Next year, that's the year I'll do that. Um, which, again, I was like really grateful. And I think had I kept going on freelance, I would have brought her in like significantly more for something like that. But I think wasn't necessarily at the time to at, like at the, cause I would like to obviously like pay her and like provide for both of our incomes. Yeah. If that was the case, if she was spending time on it, but it just like, it wasn't at that place. And then like, I was also getting creatively um, sunk a little bit and it just virtually like getting the, getting the position I'm at now is like the correct answer for the time. So what did, what did it take you to realize that it was, um, <clears throat> I think I had, to, I think I had, I don't know. It was interesting. Cause when I, when I interviewed for the job, like it was virtually Maddie telling me like, Hey, maybe we should consider getting something that's going to get your like creativity back up and your like drive for life back up. Um, and <clears throat> I think just like being open to that conversation and then, like, I sort of reached out to, like, Rad Studios here and there. Um, sometimes they said no. Sometimes they just didn't email me back, which felt great. Um, oh, that's the greatest. Just awesome. Um, Let me know that you hear me. Yeah, please. Just email me and say no, but I'm thanks. Not to, I'm not trying to, like, <laughs> I'm not trying to be your best friend, but please just say hi to me. <laughs> um, but, like, it, it virtually, like, I was like, man, if, if Spoon doesn't happen, like, that's okay. 
because I still have this freelance stuff. I'm good, but maybe I can just try it. And then I start working there and it's like exactly what I needed. So I know it sounds like everything falls in my lap. It might, <laughs> but I'm not trying to like. So what, well, I mean, what were, whenever you were in music bed and you decided to go freelance, mm-hmm. what was it that you were hoping for or thinking was going to come or be different in going that route? Because, I mean, yeah. at music bed, you were doing design stuff and weren't you doing photography oh, too? Oh, it was great. It was fantastic. There was no dissatisfaction. Yeah, I was doing a lot of photography. There was so no dissatisfaction with music bed. What um, was it like? I think I just had this like itch. I, I like change. I love change a lot. And after about two years of something, like in, there's like an itch there. And if, if like, if, um, the job doesn't necessarily fulfill that exact itch and, and maybe, hopefully I've grown out of some of that, but you know, it's kind of naturally who I am. Like I will start like trying to discover then like what, what's, what's going to satisfy that itch to like change, to, to move, to keep pushing myself forward. Except when I was freelance and I didn't, I like felt that itch, but I like couldn't feel it because I had like all this other crap going on, like influencing my mind that I couldn't like really get in touch with like that, like drive. Um, but I think I was really expecting, I don't know what I was expecting. I think that like, I, I don't, I'm not the type of guy that has like a five-year plan or a two-year plan or a three-month plan. Right. Like I'm, that's not really my MO. Um, it's just really important to me to like be in touch with that inner drive of like what's happening. Um, what is like, what's exciting me? What's this sense of discovery? And I think with freelance and music bed, I like felt like stepping out would be like this whole nother level of like discovering something. Um, I probably could have waited longer. <laughs> I probably could have, uh, saved myself some heartache, but like ultimately I'm really, I'm really thankful and really happy for the way that things went about. And like my relationship with music bed is fantastic. My relationship was like, Nine out of nine out of ten of my previous clients are fantastic, um, but yeah, it's just man, it's just like that itch, and I think that a lot of us are gonna feel it, right? Like whether you're creative or you're an accountant or you're a creative accountant, like whatever, like you're gonna feel that itch for like <clears throat> what's next, and um, I think you just have to find your own path of how that gets scratched, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever you were, uh, whenever you decided to make the jump, how did you end up, like, as far as learning how to handle dealing with co- conversation with clients or yeah. contracts or any of that stuff? So much. Do you have experience error. with that, yes. or what was your kind of? So much trial and error. Um, okay, I'll tell you actually a really great story um, without mentioning any names, uh, but only the good names. Um, but I was working with this client. And, um, it was a big photo shoot. It like, I had a full team, like, um, hair, makeup, assistants, like grip, like everything. Right. And, um, they had communicated to me that they sort of need to get everything done on like one day shoot. And I was like, that's great. Here's my rate. And and by this point I'd sort of like figured out like what a normal day rate for photographer at my, um, caliber would be. So I was like, here's my day rate. Here's the rate for my team. Um, and, and we can just go from there. So the shoot day came, I ended up doing like, I ended up doing like pretty much all the creative direction for the shoot as well, like in art direction and things like that, which wasn't necessarily my goal, but I was happy to do it because I wanted a good product. Right. Mm. Um, and I enjoy creative direction. I enjoy art direction, you know, creative direction is my like 
goal is to, to, to get there. Um, but the day came along and they're like, okay, so we have eight models here today and we're, we want to shoot on eight different backdrops. And I was just like, Oh, Okay. Um, they want to shoot all eight on eight, all the eight different backdrops. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I like my assistant like That's having 64 backdrops. Shoots. Then, yeah, dude, it was crazy. So like they, um, it was nuts. And so obviously it turned into like a, it was literally, I think like an 18 hour day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't do that. surprised. Felt like, I felt like garbage for my team because they got paid for a day, right? Mm-hmm. They got paid for a day. Um, anyway, and so, <laughs> no, this is so bad. So after the shoot's done, it's like 11 PM, something like that. And which you do that, you have those days. It's fine. I wasn't frustrated at all, but, um, <clears throat> I was like dropping it onto my hard drive. Then my hard drive crashed, mm. uh, which was great. <laughs> um, so I had to like run out, get another one, but I was like talking to clients and I was like, so kind of. Uh, my like general turnaround time is going to be like 15 to 30 days, right? Like I, 30 days and then like a 60% surcharge for a rush fee of like 15 days. Um, and they were like, oh, um, we need these by Wednesday. And it was like Monday. (laughs) And I was like, wait, (laughs) wait, 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 wait. We just shot eight people on eight different backdrops and you need it by Wednesday. They're like, yeah, we really need this campaign to launch like before Thanksgiving. And it was like the week before Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh. And so like, it was crazy. It was nuts, dude. (laughs) So I'm like, um, uh, I will try my best, but I can't do that. Like that's a, that is physically impossible for me to get this to you by Wednesday. There is not enough time in the day. And they're like, okay, well maybe we can just share a Dropbox link and you can just like upload them as you go which was the worst idea because like they, every time an image would come in, they would like review it and then they'd have edits. Oh my God. Well, I'm like working on all these other ones. Right. It was was like, it was the biggest, worst, best, most terrible learning experience I think I'd ever had. And I was talking to, um, I was talking to like a mentor, a business mentor I had at the time. And, um, I was just like, I was like complaining at him because I was just like, this sucks. Like, I, th- I hate, I hate this. I'm like, I had to work over Thanksgiving cause like they wanted this done. And I was like at a cabin in Missouri with my wife's family and we were like dating at the time. So like, I really wanted to make a good impression, but I had to freaking work the whole time. Anyway. So I was like, <clears throat> I was complaining to him about it and he was like, um, he was like, can I tell you something kind of mean? I was like, yeah, what's up? He goes, this is all your fault. <laughs> this whole thing's your fault. And I was like, oh, damn. Um, why? He was like, you didn't set expectations at the beginning. He was like, you didn't give them a contract saying that you were going to do this, this, and this. And if it goes above that, it's this, this, this parameter, right? And that, like, you didn't tell them your delivery time up front. You didn't set those expectations at, at the front. And so then they took advantage of you later. He was like, it sucks, but it's your fault. I was like, that's really good, awful advice. Thank you. Like, I hate that so much. Um, but no, man, he like, it, it was good advice. And I learned a ton from that because like then every other client from that then on, like I sent him a contract. 
I like I set everything up and it actually made me more money doing it that way. Because when I set up expectations in the in in the um front and I say that, you know, <clears throat> I'm gonna deliver 15 images, not 108, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like whatever. Like I'm gonna deliver 15 images to you in 30 days. Um if you want it shorter, we can talk about, you know, a 60% surcharge of by day rate. Um <clears throat> for like 15 days. And these are the usage rights. These are the, this is, I will, I don't know, like if it was a smaller client, like I will give you the usage rights for this image for a year. And then we can revisit after a year. And then like setting it up that way, instead of surprising a client at the end of a shoot, like straight up made me more money. Like it was crazy because like most of the time clients would be like, Oh man, 30 days is a long time. I'll like, I mean, I'll pay for that 60% surcharge. Really? Yeah, for 15 days. And especially if it's a bigger client. Like, if it's a bigger client, they're going to be more willing to to sort of do that. And it's it, it's not it's not like highway robbery, right? Because you like you're giving them the option. You're giving them. You're the telling option. them what it is and letting Tell them, them pick. what it is. And you're also having to if you if they go for the 15 day timeline, whatever. They like I now have to work extra to place them above the clients that I already have going yeah, on. Yeah, because you still have other work going, I too. I still have other probably. work. Yeah. So, like, it is an actually, like, legitimate business plan. And so um, once I started doing that, like, that was kind of in the middle of my second year, too. And so, like, then everything sort of just got better and better and better. Because also, like, usage rights are great because they're sort of residuals, right? Like, you're, you know, like a year in or, like, a year afterwards, and you have to pay, I don't know, like like $1,000 an image, whatever to use, whatever it is. Um, I don't remember what it was because it was, again, a sliding scale. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, clients. No. Um, but, yeah, and it's just like, it just it just worked out um, so much better. And then, and then when you communicate and then the client says, actually, we want the ownership rights for this, which is like scary. Like you're not supposed to give away your ownership rights. Right, right. right. But this one time I got um, asked to shoot behind the scenes on like a, internet commercial, like a commercial for an internet company. And they were like, and I like told them my rate, my, my day rate is <clears throat> a three day shoot. And they were like, yeah, I gotcha. Um, so we definitely want to own these. The client wants to own them. And so I had then had to weigh like, what number do I send them? If like, like I care about my images, but I don't necessarily care about these images, but I don't also want to be the the creative that like has no idea what they're doing and just gives away their usage rights. Um, and so I ended up like throwing out a pretty big number about like they can own them, like they can have them. I have no claim to them. I can't put them on my website. Can't do anything. And they were like, "Yeah, it sounds pretty good." And I, I was like shocked, right? Because like I, had I not learned that thing at the beginning, I wouldn't have found myself in that position. And that was like right before I got married to Maddie. And we were going on a honeymoon to Morocco for two weeks. So, like, we needed it, right? And it was, like, perfect. I ended up shooting that shoot three days before I got married. Are you comfortable sharing numbers? Oh, uh, like yeah, a, I'm cool sharing numbers. So, like, what would like, you have originally shot it for? I, you know, so my, difference? my day rate was, um, I think, 2000 for that because it was just behind the scenes. And I knew the client was going to spend three grand for a day for three days for just behind the scenes photos. Like, no one cares about them that much. Um, but, and the, Sometimes people really do, but, um, and then, so I 
virtually just rounded up all of those numbers. And I think it was like, yeah, it was like six grand. And I like threw six grand back out for them to own it. And um, they were like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And I was like, okay, great. I mean, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah. yeah. All, right. <laughs> all right. I just made 12K on like a three-day shoot in Austin during um, South by. Like it was a blast. It was right. so much fun. Yeah. Like, all right, cool. Cool, great. But yeah, like I wouldn't have been able to have, and again, it's not, it's not highway robbery, man. Like it's, it, there's a legitimate um, trade deal for you as a creative if you know what you're worth. Like if, yeah, you, if you know what your images are worth. If they're, pay, if, if that's what, you know, if they're paying it and they say cool, then hey, it's worth that to them because like ultimately the value is whatever somebody is willing to pay for it. Right. And if you look at it like, broader too like they they're gonna make money off of my work yep they're gonna make more than 12k off of the stuff that i shoot i don't know about bts i don't know how you make money on that unless you're doing a bts campaign but they're making more money on the whole shoot mm-hmm. in general and so it's 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 like a it's a trade and you have to know what you're worth to be able to like get what you're worth and if you're just starting out know your worth too right like if you're just starting out and like you um, it's like a really good opportunity and it doesn't pay as much, man, that's okay. Right? Like that's okay if it's a good opportunity. Um, but as you sort of learn and as you sort of like keep going in this business, like start learning your worth. Cause that's one of the things like I never, when I was just starting out, like I'd never, I never like penny pinched or like tried to barter my rate with someone just starting out. Because, like, that is kind of a douchey thing to do, like, if you don't actually know what you're doing. Like, if you are not really worth that much, don't try to, like, pretend like you're worth more. Right. And, like, and it worked out great because I got to do, like, really cool stuff with really cool people. And, like, yeah, I had to struggle a little bit. almost got evicted. Like, but it worked. I got everything I needed. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just it's just continually remembering, like, that like you just have to know what you're worth ultimately you're talking about usage stuff earlier yes how did you how would you figure up usage costs in terms and um so i was again i was kind of scrappy with all this stuff but um stocksy has if you go on stocksy.com um and then you like try to buy a um try to buy an image right and then you like click the like extra usage rights. So like for like exclusive usage for like five years was like $10,000 or something crazy like that. And so if that's industry standard, I just went off that. Okay. So like, you just kind of scale based on you just kind of whatever the client was going and put the parameters of the client. (laughs) Yeah. Is it similar? They're similar to music bed where you go through and you select like what your organization is and the size and all that. It's pretty different than music bed. Um, but like you have like if they, what they call it is like a market freeze which means that they pull it from their server. Okay. So it's not like listed anymore. Okay. And I'm looking at the numbers right now. Um, for six months, it's, and you can just find this information just by going to Stocksy, but for six months, it's um, $1,250. Uh, for a year, it's $2,500. For two years, it's $4,500. For three years, it's 6000 For four years, it's 7500 And for five years, it's $10,000. And that's for a single image? Yeah, it's a single image. Damn. So I generally okay. wouldn't, I generally wouldn't like, 
I would say like you can have these three images for that. Right. Like, because I didn't want to lose the client. On Stocksy, is it having, I mean, does it give you other options? That's that's for exclusive options. It's exclusive options. Um, for there, non-exclusive, um, it's like 125 bucks. Would you ever, would you do non-exclusive licenses with clients or generally how the did client, you? Generally, the clients weren't that type of client. Okay. Like, it would be like a photo of their product. Uh, okay. Whereas I would like to list maybe an image that didn't have their product in it or like Photoshop their logo out or something like that. And they just wouldn't be cool with that. So, um, so a little bit up to me, it was like my job to sort of educate some of these clients. If they were like newly large clients or like there's like a new company startup, something like that. The art of like usage rights is kind of lost. Um, <clears throat> if you're not like Google or like a huge or like um, AT&T or something like that who like does this on a regular basis and like knows that they have to pay to market with an image. Um, <clears throat> so there was a lot of education that I had to do. How did you, what were those conversations like? Uh, again, it had to be at first. It had to be at the front. Um, I would just, I told, I'd tell him like, <clears throat> I know you're paying me to do this shoot for you. Um, but as according to law, these images are still mine and they will always be mine. Um, here's a couple packages that can, um, that will like give you the usage rights. And I'm like, I'm not a shark. I will generally give the first year for free because like, I want to work together again and we can like revisit it as we, as we go. Um, but yeah, like my, they're my intellectual property. So you have to license them from me to use them. And they'd be like, well, that's kind of weird. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's like legal IP law. So like, so ultimately at that point, then it's like my job to like, um, kindly tell them about the law that already exists, but like, thankfully that law is there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did they have, did you get much pushback to that point whenever you would do that or what was kind of their reaction? Um, I think it just depended on the client. Like if it was a very, a lot of times I'd work with like really kind people who would be kind of malleable and kind of new to this. And so they didn't really know. So they'd have to like go back to their uppers and like talk to them about it. And then they Generally what happened is I'd give them a good reason, right? Like I, <laughs> specifically this one time I like gave, I like told him why this happened and he was like, oh yeah, oh, that totally makes sense. And so then I got him on my side and then when he talked to his boss, he was like, this, like, this is totally how we have to do it. It totally makes sense. And so then it, they would like came around to it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. But yeah, it's, it's all about like, um, it's all about communication in the front. And um, <clears throat> if you need to be, if you need to educate the client, just doing it in a kind way that's not patronizing or like demeaning, ultimately. Because mm -hmm. like, they're, they're not idiots. They, they know other things. They just, <laughs> they just don't know this. It's they not... just don't know this. It's fine. Um, sometimes it definitely didn't work out. Like... I mean, like this, so I, I shot um, for a company that did, like, medical imaging. They, like, released this, like, iPhone, uh, like, device that plugs into your iPhone to where you can, like, like do a sonogram on yourself. That's or, like, other people, like, in the field. Fascinating. Amazing. Yeah. It was, like, it was, like, this crazy technology, and they, like, reached out to me, which was, like, amazing. Um, and then... Uh, so I shot it. They loved it. I shot twice for them, which was good. Um, uh, 
And then another company that was doing a similar thing, but it was like an EKG um, thing, which I don't know how I became like a medical photographer, but whatever, it worked. Um, but like it was like an EKG thing, and he was like, what um, – I was like on the phone with him because he wanted like a client call. And I probably could have handled this a little bit better, um, but he was like, you did this shoot for this company. Um, how much was that shoot? Which is probably a sort of scary thing to get into um, because like – especially if they're like a competitor. And I like reached out to this other company. I like made sure I was like, Hey, this company reached out to me. Can I like, will it be a conflict conflict of interest? Because I enjoy working with you. Will it be a conflict of interest if I go shoot with them? And they were like, no, no, that, that's, that's great. They're a great company. You're good. And, I, and also I do think it's like doing things like that, that make people like sort of come back. Um, because like you respect them, they respect you. It's a, it's a push pull. It's a gift thing. Um, but anyway, so I like told them the number, which I later learned that I probably should have just like, like kind of itemized it out maybe more or not itemized it, but like should have said like a range instead of saying like it was, cause I said North of 10 grand, right. For the whole shoot, mm-hmm. everything in. Um, and they're like, Oh, okay. That was, that's more than maybe I was expecting. <clears throat> and had I sort of maybe explained why things were that expensive, I might've kept the client. But they never called me back. They're oh, like, because you just said, oh, yeah, it's north of 10 grand. And they're just thinking, oh, I'm paying over 10 grand for a photo shoot versus right. I have all stylists, I have lighting, I have all this, exactly, this, I have this, like, I have this, I'm this, I have this. Not like 10 grand went to me in a way. Like, like, like that, like 10 grand was also like buying clothing for the, like, you know what I mean? For the yeah, models, yeah. hiring the models, like all of that. Um, and literally what that client said to me was, um, they were like, oh, okay. Well, we've got another, a couple other photographers that we're going to reach out to and see what their rates are. So like when they told me that, I was like, yeah, this isn't, I'm never going to hear, I'm never going to hear another word from that. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't, they never talked to me again. Um, which it's okay, man. Like not having the money for something, like, especially if that's a startup, that's fine. Yeah. Right? Like that's totally okay. Um, but it just maybe would have been better to like be able to like have a sit down conversation about why in a better environment than that. Yeah. So, um, as far as like invoicing and taxes, how would you, how did you handle all that stuff? So I used an online invoicing service, which was awesome. At the time when I got it, it was free. Then it went up to $20 a month plus the like credit card stripe charges, whatever it was. Um, it's called bonsai, like hello bonsai or whatever. Okay. And that handles, they like had, they have lawyers in house. They write up a contract, um, like, like a boilerplate contract that you go in and like change your information. So like usage rights, you go in and change that. For some reason it like always defaulted to like the client owning the use, all of the rights for it. (laughs) Really annoying. I'd like go in every time. um, Why are you like, you guys are, I'm like, paying you to help me write my contract. Why are you fucking <laughs> why me? Are you, like, why are you trying to take this, this away? That's my money. That's how I live. Um, but that would be really nice because everything would live in the same spot for the client as well. So like where they sign, like it would send them a, a bonsai link. They'd sign it sort of like a DocuSign type thing, except like their own proprietary, proprietary thing. Um, and then like when it came time to invoice, it would either send an invoice for me 
like when like the the date we scheduled to start the project, it would send that invoice half up front, and then it would like send an invoice when I like closed out the project. So it was like really nice because it kind of took away some of that thought for me. Um, and it's like still how I do it. When I have freelance clients and stuff like that. It's still how I fire stuff off. Do you, uh, are you, are you a sole proprietor or do you have actual like business filing? I am a sole proprietor. Okay. I never like filed for a, a business or anything. So I, I figured in looking at like tax law and stuff like that, um, I, there'd be, it'd be a really rare case for me in my business to get sued. Um, especially the size of clients I was working with. Um, and so I didn't really see a huge need to get a sole, or to get a, um, like an LLC or anything like that. And so like, I didn't really see the need to protect my personal assets from my company because it just wasn't big enough yet. I think that like, had I been doing, and once I do more large scale, uh, that's kind of pulled back a little bit cause I'm full time, but like more large scale stuff, then I, well, I would need to. Like more like if like for instance if um, like if you felt the risk was higher that you were gonna right if I was, if I was dealing with a client that like maybe felt a little uh, hot, like hot yeah like tempered mm-hmm. you know or not tempered like like volatile that, that or something volatile like if something happens then then I need to protect my own right assets most part I didn't work with any really any clients that were. Especially if you're working with people that you're developing relationships or friendships with, kind of once you get that point, it kind of yeah, that stuff doesn't seem to really happen. And maybe I should have. Maybe I should have. Maybe I got lucky and I didn't need it. And other people like don't like do take my advice of not getting one, and then it messes them up. Like I know for me, I uh, part of the reason I went with the business, Mm -hmm. yeah, please entity was. for that kind of protection, but also, I don't know the ins and outs of this, mm-hmm. but I know that there is some mm-hmm. sort of a self-employment tax as a sole yes. proprietor. Yes. And somehow having a business entity ends up, I, I think you end up paying less taxes somehow. I think you do. I Because there's like, some sort of like double taxation. Because well, your business like, has to pay. So when you go freelance and you're sole proprietor, you're you take on what that business had been paying in your taxes for yourself. Mm. So the government's always going to get what the government right. gets, right? Um, unless you're like uh, Amazon, <laughs> right? Like unless you have enough money to not give the government anything. <laughs> I hate how that works. Um, but so <clears throat> the you then take on the taxes that the company takes on as a sole proprietor, which I think is like 18% or something like that yeah, it, above your normal tax bracket? I can't remember. It's been a while. All of you should just go consult the tax yeah, go consultant. Google that. Don't, go talk don't, to don't listen to us. But I think it's something like you're supposed to pay out, like at me, I have an LLC mm-hmm. that is subchapter S, so I think it's actually fun- like functions as an S corp, mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And I think I'm supposed to pay myself out as a W-2 employee, like a salaried employee, totally. like a fixed amount. Totally. And then basically pull taxes and the business be paying the taxes and pulling taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I think I, I personally wouldn't pay the taxes on that, but then- You'll pay like your income tax. R- 
but well, then but, but that would have already been pulled from the company. I think some, but then, but then yeah. basically, like at the end of the year, say yeah. that there's excess money in the business that I want to pay myself out, that would then be paid out separately as 1099, mm-hmm. separate from my W two salaried mm-hmm. income. Yeah, it makes sense. And that somehow the tax from that would be different. Yeah, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. Um, anyway, all I to say, I feel like it's worth it's more that, worth yeah. it to to go with the business entity. I think so. I mean, I think that if you have your if you have your shit together, definitely. I never, I never really was able to get my shit together like that. But I think that, I, it like, took me a few years. I think it was yeah. probably in year four or yeah. five that I started doing that. And probably maybe like, three. In the conversations Maddie and I were having, of course, like she wanted to feel safe and protected. And so <laughs> yeah. like I was leading towards the path of getting an LLC. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's fantastic, and I think it's a great idea um, to do. I. I think it's awesome <coughs> having an LLC too. That like if like if a lawsuit does come, they can't like take your house. Right. Like they just there's, can, there's, they, some, there's a limit. They can only take what's like in the business like pool or yeah. whatever. Uh, when it came time to file taxes, mm-hmm. do you prepare that stuff yourself or do TurboTax? Or do you have a CPA I did, I did or what? Block, I think. Okay. I did HR block. It was great. It was great. I think I wrote off as much as I could. Um, research, you know. Go to movies, so research, and things like that. Um, I like I kept records and I kept receipts, and then I kept um, and thankfully, like email receipts are a huge thing now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is awesome. So I just like would go into my email, set a date parameter, and then like search Alamo Drafthouse, for instance, and like any time that I was going to a movie for like learning something, like going to see Parasite. It was a fantastic study in like cinematography. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah. And like directing and things like that. And I'm like learning and it's like part of a business thing. And so I'd like search for that. I'd write that off in their little de- deducted the thing. Um, and I ended up doing a lot of, I did end up going on enough trips, going on enough um, uh, things like that to like really pull, get my taxes like pulled really far down, which is awesome. Um, <clears throat> and I have not been audited yet so <laughs> me either I really hope I'm not I just don't want to deal with that no it'd be, I mean it'd be fine right it'd just be complicated yeah um, well dude what else um, is there anything else that you feel like we ought to talk about as far as freelancing or I'm trying to you think. think it's I, valuable to know I mean I on? think it's just important to know that like if you are freelance um, getting involved in a community that builds you is I think the number one thing that's going to keep you afloat um, it's the thing that did not keep me afloat is not like I didn't have it like I should have. Mm. And like, and if you are struggling with a decision, with a decision to like go to a co-working space and like spend that money, like it's well worth it. Especially if it's a rad co-working space where people are like there, you know what I mean? Yeah. There are like, definitely some that, uh, are more conducive for creative community than others. Absolutely. Like one that's like a lot, like, like a lot of like businessmen, there's like some. Well, um, I mean, you have some co-working spaces that feel like LinkedIn, and you have some that feel like Instagram. Yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. Like, exactly. Exactly. And I think I think you have to find the one that fits you. Um, look, this has turned into a commercial. There <laughs> co-working spaces all, all over. Find a co-working space near you. Go to coes dot cowork dot us. Yeah, like I love it. Um, yeah, like just having having that community is something that that I that I missed out on that. Um, was really important for me because, and you know, ultimately like I do want to have my own business. Um, one day I'm sure I want to be able to like lead people and, um, 
<clears throat> have the discipline to do so, right? But you can't do that without having people. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I guess I guess like more more to more to come later. So do you uh you still keep a portfolio online? Uh, so I'm a portfolio online. Um my um my like freelance work, if it doesn't like conflict, I can still do it, which is awesome. Um but uh and so I'm I'm like very hesitant to take a ton of freelance right now. Um, just because I value. Hey, this means you get to be more selective and take Absolutely. projects that you're really vibing with. Absolutely, and like it's not it, a bad thing. Yeah, and it, if and I'd I'd rather like take the really good stuff because then that leaves more work for the rest of us. Sucka. That's right, exactly, no, I'm just exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I'm I'm really grateful. I found myself in a really fantastic place. Um, I didn't think going back to work was something that I would do, um, but I found a place that values me, that values the things that I value and is like people actually pushing me forward. It's great, man. So. Uh, where can people find your portfolio? My portfolio is on, um, MXKTZ, which is my name without vowels. Very trendy, uh, dot co or fancy dot AF. I have that as well. <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yes. Fancy dot AF. Um, yeah. And that's, that's how you can get to it. You are fancy, Max. I'm fancy. fancy Thanks for coming on, man. It's yeah, been fun. man. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Freelance Friday. If you found this episode or any of the other ones helpful, it would be really helpful for me if you would let me know that. Uh, the best way you can do that is by going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you find this podcast and leave a rating and a review. Whether you liked it or not, it's just really helpful for me to have feedback to know if I'm hitting the mark and actually being helpful with the stuff I'm putting out. And uh, also, along with that, if there are any particular freelancers that you would like to hear from or, or if there are any specific questions that you would like to hear addressed on the show, please feel free to send those to me at freelancefridayatvacacy.com or you can direct message me on Instagram. Those are going to be the best ways to get in touch. Thanks so much, and I'll be with you next time. Freelance Friday is a VKC production. VKC is a freelance content creator based in the United States and available worldwide. VKC, big production value, freelance agility and scale.